At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, June 26th, 2022. It is officially summer. I don't know when summer starts, 19th, 20th, 21st, 22nd. It's one of those days, and it's now in the past. And here we are, joining me from my immediate south, from South Buffalo, Chris Gull. Hello. Beautiful weekend, weather-wise, here in the Buffalo, New York area. But uh, it's a beautiful morning to talk about the wrestling business. It's Forbidden Forbidden Door Day. I was going to say Forbidden Boar, but Forbidden Door Day. uh, As that pay-per-view will be later this evening. But uh, we're going to talk a lot about it. We're going to talk about uh, Forbidden Door a little bit. uh, But we're actually going to uh, discuss the effects of the Wall Street Journal article with Vince McMahon and the scandal uh, surrounding it as far as TV ratings, stock prices. We got some news and notes regarding that. Yes. Um, I don't know who, who wrote this, this video title, this podcast title today. Effects, co- uh, coincidences, correlations. I don't know if it's an effect. You can't necessarily say cause and effect, um, but we'll see. Um, yes, it's, it's, it's warm today. Uh, we are, we've decided that we are going to uh, AEW in Rochester, which is two Wednesdays from now, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have not. We do not have comps. We're not accepting media comps, uh, just despite uh, Golo's, Golo's urgency that we, we get free tickets from his friend, uh, the first name Tony. I said no, no. We are paying for our tickets, so we will we will be going there. Um, so where sh- where should we begin? There's a, a chart with TV ratings on the uh, on on the big screen right now. Um. Yeah, here. So we're gonna talk here about uh, viewership. You you didn't lead off with the lead screen though, Which with the New York Stock Exchange with Vince McMahon. No, we'll we'll get to that though. Um, okay. And I know you want to focus on that because that's 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 the negative story for Vince, right? But but big TV ratings, big TV ratings for uh, SmackDown. Two SmackDowns ago, we do have a prelim rating for Friday's SmackDown, um, but a really big rating for Raw. A really big rating for SmackDown, which had to be adjusted, by the way. Did you see that? 
that uh, Nielsen reissued their data? <laughs> I, I, I did see a little quib about that, a little quib. Um, so uh, where, where should we begin here? Um, we can say that uh, SmackDown, if we have like the little chart here, the little gauges, um, SmackDown on Friday the 17th. So 2.39 million viewers, almost 2.4 million. So that's about what I had projected based on the prelim. Then, then the rating came out quite a bit lower, just over 2.2, which was I was surprised at how low it was based on the prelim. Um, I was actually at, at the ESW show. I got the prelim, and I was, like, doing the math on my, on, on my phone with the calculator app, like, you know, multiplying it by 1.055 or something. Um, and I was surprised at how low it was. So on Friday, not on Friday, but on I think on Thursday, Nielsen... Uh, recognized that it had undercounted or not counted out of home viewing, which is a relatively new uh, invention of Nielsen to count viewership that's happening outside of the home. And I, I guess that means in like bars and public places and maybe just Nielsen people that are watching TV at somebody else's house or something like that. But anyway, they adjusted their, their ratings. This also adjusted the all-time low rampage to not, not, no longer be the lowest rampage of all time, even including preemptions, but to merely be the lowest viewed, the least viewed rampage of all time in the normal time slot. So there are a few preemptions that were less viewed for rampage, including uh, just one in the demo and four in total viewership. Uh, a few preemptions that were less viewed than, than the rampage on Friday June 17th. We don't know uh, what, what the Rampage did uh, for Friday, but um, SmackDown was up, and if people are watching on YouTube, you can see over on the far right, the columns that compare this rating versus the median of the last four weeks, which is my favorite way to look at what's this thing been doing lately. I don't like to just look at what it did from the, lap, for the prior week. I do write that in the reports uh, on Patreon. But I, I like to, because who knows what happened last week and who knows if the reader remembers whether last week was a huge rating or not. Um, so I like to take a median of the last four. Anyway, SmackDown was up in the demo 39% big pop up in total viewership 24 percent a 0.62 in the demo 2.4 million viewers uh this was with the advertised appearance of vince mcmahon very short uh as as we've looked at in the quarter hours have we looked at it in the quarter hours i don't think we have here maybe we did i don't know if we did, did it all really but actually the reigns and riddle match had higher viewership than the Vince segment, which was very short and at the very start of the show. So uh, the, the quarter hours, which are on Patreon, and I, I tweeted them at the time too, and I've since the Nielsen adjustment, I've tweeted updated versions of the, and I have not tweeted them, but they are on Patreon, the updated versions of the quarter hours. Um, the Nielsen adjustment reissue of data does not change the trend. It merely just bumps everybody up, by, I think, by about the same degree. Um, but surprising that the Reigns and Riddle match was more highly viewed than the Vince segment. So I don't know if people tuned in as the show went on and wondering if Vince was going to come back or what. Nonetheless, uh, the, the day that Vince, it was announced that Vince is stepping down, well, stepping aside, however you want to put it, still remaining the, the head of creative. But uh, on the day that that was announced, 
they did a big rating for SmackDown as they advertised that he would be on SmackDown. Um, you figured that would be it. But then, lo and behold, on Monday, with no advertisement, no, no advertisement ahead of time before the show, no advertisement during the show. It's not like they said during Raw, coming up later, Vince McMahon. But just he showed up as a surprise. And still, Raw was up in the demo by 27%, up in total viewership by 16%. Uh, so not as big of a bump as SmackDown got with its advertised appearance of Vince and its advertised match between Riddle, don't say his first name, and Roman Reigns. But still a pretty strong bump. So that must be the end of it. And, and why is that happening? Um, we'll get to that in a moment. And then you figure that's the end of it. But then the next night, NXT... I don't, know, I don't know that people were expecting Vince to show up on NXT. <laughs> it was a tape show anyway. Not that, not, that, not that people are probably thinking about investigating it that deeply. But anyway, NXT, up 41% in the demo, up 10% in total viewership, doing a 0.18 in the demo. Uh, it's highest. I don't have it on me right now. But, you know, Raw and, and NXT here doing their highest ratings in quite a long time. Uh, why is that happening? I, people. I was told all TVs the down, and uh, you know, so so this is extra impressive. Then I guess if that's if it's true that that a a wider trend in wider decrease in viewership generally is affecting all programming generally, then this would be even more impressive if that's true. And we'll entertain that in a moment. But anyway, what do, what do you think's happening here? Well, WWE is making mainstream news, uh, you know, and. People are curious. Probably people don't watch forever. It's like, oh, it's Vince McMahon scandal. What is going on on here? And then you see, and I mean, the Friday thing with, hey, Vince is going to be on SmackDown, uh, that just even created it more. And I think people are just generally tuning in because they want to see what's really going on the product as it's a public scandal right now. Is it, uh, as, our, as our friend Eric Bischoff would say, controversy creates cash there's no such thing as bad publicity yeah um i don't know I, my, my description would be that this is this mainstream news story is putting vince mcmahon more at top of mind really surprising though that even in, in nxt's case that this coincided with a big increase in nxt viewership um so there's that and we have the gauges here but that tells largely the same story i, I guess we could talk about uh the, the dine of the AW ratings a bit. Um, you can see, too, I guess, in, in certain demos, and I don't have this across all the demos for SmackDown and for Rampage at the moment because they, they were, these are the ratings that were updated for Friday for the Nielsen reissue of data. So I only have demo and total. But for the others, we can see sort of what demos increased the most versus the prior four weeks. Um, NXT's breaking the gauges all the way across. Uh, it's especially younger viewers that increased. Uh, certainly in NXT's case, that's that one is up 56%, which is more than the other demos that are on the screen, including 18 to 49 and men and women separated in 18 to 49. Um, in the case of Raw, uh, not so much 18 to 34. Uh, women were way up, 44%, uh, more so than men were up. Uh, I, would, I would guess it's just the people who, who sometimes watch Raw. And I've heard this, this described uh, in different ways. So, like, I've heard it described in sort of the traditional wrestling fan dichotomy way in that, wow, new fans, casual fans are checking it out. 
and I think maybe a more apt narrative is that there's lots of people. There's there's this this big funnel of people who who watch WTV, let's say, and people really far down in the funnel down here, they watch it every week. And then there's people further up the funnel who watch it, you know, once a month, you know, a couple times a month. There's people way up at the top of the funnel who watch it a couple times a year. And my narrative would be that, my guess is that people thought about WB more, thought about Vince McMahon more in the last, you know, seven days or so before these programs. And that put W more top of mind for people. And that resulted in some people watching it who usually don't, who are on those higher, in, in that higher end of the funnel. Um, so I think that's what happened there. So I don't think it's so much as like people who never watch WWE or never watched WWE checked it out so much as, sure there's probably some of that, so much as people who infrequently watch WWE watched it this week this past week um what else we do have a prelim rating for smackdown uh last i don't want to say last night but two nights ago as we speak here today um looking like it's going to do about 2.24 million viewers what does that mean in some sort of meaningful context that means that this was still a pretty high rating um smackdown did some pretty low ratings Granted, it was going against NBA playoffs during that time. And the time before that may be enhanced just by it's, it's sort of the, the WrestleMania season. So, but anyway, what I, what I would say about this prelim rating is that this is still a really good rating for SmackDown relative to what my expectations would be. Is there a sustained effect here? The final rating for SmackDown will come out on Monday. Uh, the rating for Raw will come out on Tuesday as usual. And we'll see what happens. Um... I do expect, though, a week from now, Monday, July 4th, Raw to have a very low rating. Uh, Some of the lowest ratings that Raw has ever had have been on or around July 4th. This Monday is 20 years of Cena, so I imagine there's going to be just a bump up from that. That's what what Vince is there to remind everybody. Yeah. Um, By by the way, if people want to do a super chat. Yeah, I was just going to lead into after we're done with that. But yeah. Uh, right there on your YouTube, you click the uh, dollar sign with your question. Put any amount that you see, seem fit for that question, and we'll uh, we'll answer it throughout the show. If it's about the topic at hand, we'll answer it around that time period. If not, we'll definitely get to it towards the end of the show. Right. So, um, where else should we go here? Uh, if if we look at, we might as well look at this. So. All TV is down, as you may have heard. Um, I was surprised to find uh, Dave Meltzer mentioning that I had mentioned a couple weeks ago that uh, all uh, the the two weeks ago Wednesday, so that's June twelfth, when Dynamite did a point two eight in the demo, which I believe was their lowest demo since like May twenty twenty one, more than a year if I'm remembering that correctly. Anyway, Dynamite did a very low rating two, two Wednesdays ago. They A .28. They did a little better this past Wednesday, .31. Um, and in fact, we probably have that on the screen here. Yeah, .31 and 878,000 viewers. Um, 
which was lower than the median of the last four weeks, but a lot better than the week prior. Um, and what, what I can show you is this. So what we have here is year-to-date. Here's every week year-to-date with the demo per 60 minutes. Good Lord, what does that mean? Um, without getting into like really confusing granularity, um, this is basically a typical demo rating for an hour program based on based on the cable originals that we get from Showbuzz. So no broadcast in here, just cable originals. And we do see, you know, did a, on that Wednesday did a .07. This past Wednesday also did a .07. Year to date, there's no other .07 here. Um, I'm not looking super far back, but I would not expect that it's going to be lower going, going far back as uh, engagement with linear TV just declines over time. Um, is that the case for other days of the week here recently? We are, we are missing a Showbuzz data point from last week, Friday. For whatever reason, they didn't post all 150 uh, other, other telecast rows. But um, we do see, you know, everything looks to be down pretty sharply. I guess you look at Sunday with the .06s. There's, there is a .05 back here. Uh, the .07 on this past Monday, which is the day that Raw did a really good rating. I mean, you could you could excuse that. Well, it's an exceptional circumstance because of this uh, story surrounding Vince. I don't know. Uh, that's what total viewership looks like. Total viewership is not as um, dire looking as the demo is. Um, nonetheless, uh, I did do what? It, what is this? Um, this is just showing across the years. But let, let's let's look at this. So I did do tr- do a correlation chart here and tested the R squared to ask the question, you know, okay, let's look at Dynamite in the demo and let's look at the top 50 cable originals. And is there a relationship in terms of if TV generally, and when I say TV generally, we're referring to the top 50 cable originals that we can get from Showbiz Daily. The question is, as that general measurement is higher, does the Dynamite rating get higher? And the answer is, at least based on this, no. There's no relationship here. Um, it's pretty random. Now, we do see um, way down, you know, on, on some really exceptional cases where, where uh, the top 50 cable originals did, you know, almost 300% better than usual uh, compared to the trailing 90 days. We did see a lower than usual dynamite rating. And back here, when it did 150% better than usual, it did see, you know, a 30% lower than usual dynamite rating. Um, but it's not as if this is a positive trend in terms of this line is not going up and to the right. This line is going down to the right. So as, as general viewership gets higher relative to the trailing 90 days, it doesn't look like it's reliably the case that dynamite ratings in the demo get better. Does that make sense? You following me here, Gold? Yeah, I mean, and I would imagine that the, the dip in this time period would be the summer, but really, you can't really blame the summer on the drop of well, AEW's ratings into a larger context. So that's that's what these tables are showing here. Look, there is seasonality to television viewership. If we we're looking at every year, 2016 to the present, and what we do see is in June, July, August, you know, the 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 average over these years is is 0.15. So it's got the weakest average over these what is it's like seven years there is seasonality happening here when it's the summer and we, we love we love this excuse on the indies oh you can't draw in the summer people are people don't want to participate in indoor entertainment in the summer 
You can't run July. <laughs> that was no, like for you. Absolutely not. Do not run in July. June, okay. August, okay. Uh, but, but there's something to that, right? I mean, look, the people are watching television less, at least in the demo. Is that true in terms of total viewership? Let's look. Yeah, that's somewhat true in, in terms of total viewership, too, based on, based on the showbiz data, which is not everything. I don't have a Nielsen subscription. But this is based on all the data that I've gotten from Showbiz Daily. And I, this is cable originals only, but I, if I include broadcast, I would expect a similar result. Um, th- there is some seasonality in the summer. But it's not as if there's this strong relationship, correlation, between uh, what that general measurement of television viewership is doing and what Dynamite is doing. Um, this On this chart with the orange dots i'm just looking at prime time and it's it's no stronger it's just as random with these yeah i I would expect that maybe in these really exceptional situations like where you've got enormously high viewership for something like uh, the coverage of of the january 6 2021 news story that that and that and that was on a wednesday and as i recall that crushed nxt and dynamite which were both on wednesday at that time um so you know i would theorize that maybe you want viewership to be kind of normal relative to what it usually is. But anyway, not a really great, not a predictable relationship here at all, um, mathematically. Um, I wrote a piece on Patreon this past week about uh, Rampage and that Dynamite's holding up okay, especially if we look at the rank, which I think is the, the, the most reliable and least misleading metric to look at. So we're looking at here is the daily P1849 rank among cable originals, which everybody can see on Showbiz Daily. And I've merely taken that data and put it on a chart for Dynamite in the gray, for Rampage in the orange. And we see, you know, Dynamite's doing, if nothing else, you know, only doing better over time, especially that coincides with April 2021 here, where they're no longer going against NXT. But they do, they're staying in mostly the top five and always the top ten since... April 2021, the end of the Wednesday Night War. At other times, they were falling as, as low as into the 30s on a couple of occasions, the 40s, the 50s, around the 2020 election. That's why it was so low that, that time. Um, but Rampage, was, which started out really strongly, especially with the enormous CM Punk episode in episode number two, um, strong September, as we all remember, for viewership uh, for Dynamite. But Rampage has really fallen in a way that I don't think can be excused by an ex- external factor other than it's become a less important show for viewers. Viewers feel like it's a less important show for them to watch. I don't see a, a real conclusion to draw here other than that. It doesn't help that AEW has lost CM Punk of late, but it was going down before then. Um, as you can see in this, this sort of dotted orange line, especially from about January or so. It takes a really sharp dip. It's recovered a little bit, but it's still hanging around here in the just under the top 10, around the 15 to 20 mark, which is considerably below where it was before. Um, is this the end of the world? Is AW going out of business? Probably not, but it's, it's not as strong as it once was, and it's not just that it's not as strong as it was in, in August and September in the CM Punk and Brian Danielson debut era. It's not as strong as it was in December or even February or January, that time period. Um, so we're not comparing it to this super strong peak that, of course, it fell down from, but we're comparing it to months after CM Punk's debut. Um, 
a lot of this, I think, has to do with the preemptions. So Rampage has been preempted 7 out of 24 times year-to-date. That's almost one-third of the time. I feel like I said this recently somewhere, but... <laughs> Yeah, we we were just talking about because you were you were thinking that in the next TV rights deal maybe Rampage should get moved to a streaming service. I know Absolutely. last time we talked about this, yeah, yeah. So I think it would be better f- because they're never going to be the Rampage is never going to take the precedent over college basketball, over NBA playoffs, over NHL playoffs even. So I think it would be better to have Rampage sold to a streaming partner where presumably they could air wherever it's best for it to air and not have to worry about being preempted and, and not favored over other programming. But anyway, uh, is that all? I think that's all. Anything to add there, question? Um, nothing too much. Uh, I know uh, there was some comments on the uh, Vince McMahon on Raw YouTube that we have uh, some slides for. Yeah, as we Kind of backtrack a little bit. As we jump around uh, chaotically, as if this is a, a, an AWTV taping or something, um, <laughs> So, it, and we'll talk about the stock next after this, but so the YouTube clips for these Vince appearances, the one on SmackDown, comments were disabled. The one on Raw, comments were not disabled. Now, they may have been moderating it, but if you really want to lose uh, hope in humanity, uh, read for us some of, the, some of the comments that were, these are the, like the top voted comments on the uh, yeah. YouTube clip. Mr. McMahon's transformation into Mr. Burns is 85 cent 85% complete. Uh, damn, he seems more celebrated than before. LOL. He's definitely not hiding from the spotlight. Even Vince got older and exhausting, but he still kept entertaining WWE fans. Big respect to him. No one so far deserves such respect from WWE management. One and only John Cena. Uh, yeah, you get comments in here. Yeah. You can tell Vince is just embracing his last moments at the company. He's definitely looking like personally he feels he needs a rest. Uh, haven't heard hustle, loyalty, and respect in so long. Regardless of what's happening behind the curtains, I'm very glad to see Vince back for one last sparkling. Uh, he still got it. Cena and Vince are like the ultimate combination for success. I'm glad you're here for another sparkling, Chris Colo. <laughs> uh, we had, looking at the YouTube channel, a lot of people are glad I'm here in my cream sickle themed uh, shirt today in uh, Botac combo. Uh, the man who innovated a company that will go on dot 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 forever. And to quote Terry Funk, forever, forever. That wasn't the Terry Funk part, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, you can see me. You you can't see me because my time is now is his best line. This is like when the popular kid is suspended from school, but he keeps tearing up every day to hang out with recess with everyone. I didn't like that one. Man, uh, looking at Vince's physical appearance, you realize how fast the years have gone by. Glad to see him once again. Feels like Vince McMahon is like a little kid his last day of school. That's the vibe. And then this is great. Always had the best in embracing the villain role. I love that he should keep doing this. He's like a heel who's also over with the crowd genius. See, and not a lot of anti-Vince McMahon sentiment on there. Now, maybe what we've really done is, you know, they've maybe WWE has, uh, you know, orchestrated uh, their their alleged bots and uh, placed these comments, and maybe they've moderated other ones that would that did perhaps did get thumbs upped, and uh, but 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 that you know, WWE digital media didn't want on there, but who knows? And maybe we're just reading propaganda here. Um, 
nonetheless, I guess it's worth pointing out, this all aligns with what I, what I think is a desirable outcome for, for WB and somewhat explains why he was on television in the first place. Just go out there, show normalcy, and this is kind of ex- this is exactly the response that they want in that, hey, maybe there's problems here, but he's going out there and showing that everything's okay. Everybody's glad to see him. And you can see that on television in terms of where, where the director chooses to put the camera. They choose to put the camera on people who are cheering him. Uh, then slapping hands uh, on the way out of SmackDown. Just show that everything is normal. Nothing's going to change. Um, so anyway, uh, something that did change, though, is, uh, is W stock, uh, which we have here for people watching on YouTube. Uh, the stock was down uh, while indexes were up since last week, Wednesday, which is when the Wall Street Journal report came out. So from that time onward, even the, the, the stock market generally um, year to date is uh, approaching bear territory. There's been a little bit of a rally uh, since last week, Wednesday, uh, where the indexes are actually up by, you know, in the case of the NASDAQ, up almost 5%, uh, Dow Jones and S&P up maybe 2 or 3%. Uh, again, from Wednesday, June 15th, which is the day that the Wall Street Journal story broke. This is the day that any of this was reported for the first time. And then he stepped aside as CEO and chairman on Friday with Stephanie in his place on an interim basis. The stock uh, W over the same period of time as the close of the market on Friday is down almost 10%. Uh, again, while the, the indexes, the measure of the stock market generally, is up a few percent. Um, this is, you know, it was $67 on Wednesday, the close of the market before the Wall Street Journal story broke. Just after the close of the market, $67 per share. Now, now at 60 still. It did fall below 60 for a moment, uh, I believe on Thursday, but it did have a, a, a little bit of a rally on Friday. Uh, so, you know, we, I, and I've been watching this and sort of tweeting the, uh, the chart every day at the close of the market or, or during the market. And uh, just seeing it was it was underperforming uh, the stock the stock market indexes, um, so there's that. Um, have you heard about the um, the XFL lawsuit? Yes, the wrongful termination from Oliver Luck lawsuit. Yeah, does that appear to be heading to trial? It's going to trial, right? Uh, no, they settled out. They settled out of court. Apparently, uh, Oliver Luck, who was the former. XFL commissioner in the relaunched 2020 version of the XFL. Uh, Vince fired him. Oliver Luck was suing for wrongful termination, trying to get some, something in the neighborhood of $25 million out of Vince. Uh, this, these are filings that I was you know, getting alerts for for the last couple years or so here. Uh, they looked to be about to go to trial. Uh, I think that was the latest we knew, and probably just before the Wall Street Journal story broke. But then we have... Uh, we, I, I saw Mike Johnson of, of PW Insider uh, reference a filing and report that that the lawsuit had been settled, that there was an agreement between the plaintiff and defendant, and they were, you know, they were they were settling out of court. Um, I didn't understand what in the filing uh, made that clear. I, I asked all the attorneys involved, and Oliver Luck's attorney, one of his attorneys, did tell me that that it had been settled. And they, what, what was the comment? Uh, we, we wish we, we we wish them well in in their future endeavors. Was, was, was yes. I, I don't know if they 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 knew the 
the the the meaning of that that has in the wrestling business or not but that was the the comment so uh that's being settled um yeah we'll 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 bring this up uh why don't you read this report from pw insider about the mlw lawsuit between mlw and wwe yeah. During a post-battle riot for media scrum, I asked MLW CEO Corp Bauer whether MLW had been approached by settling their lawsuit with WWE in the wake of the allegations and the investigation into Vince McMahon, as McMahon and Oliver Luck have settled their lawsuit related to the XFL. Uh, Bauer stated, no comment. Uh, I can't comment on the pending legal other than we are looking forward to our day in court and we are as we are going through the process. I continue to be increasingly optimistic that when we get to court, it's going to be favoring uh, court. So, yes. So that that's consistent with other comments that Court Bauer of MLW has made, and that they're eager to see this case go to go to trial. Uh, so there was a filing, which I don't think I have in here. There was a filing uh, this past week that. Um, it looks like MLW, if I understand the filing correctly, MLW is trying to get uh, a decision about discovery made sooner rather than later. Rather than, I believe they have a, t- a September 20, 29th uh, date where they're supposed to, I believe, decide whether discovery happens or not, uh, or whether this case goes to trial or not. And it, my, my layman reading of the filing is that MLW wants the judge, the court, to make a decision about whether or not discovery is going to happen uh, before then, so that they can start discovery now. What is discovery? Other than a, a channel in the, in the Warner Brothers Discovery Universe? I mean, isn't, isn't that basically like like pre-trial uh, with that all, all the records have to be shown and, and, and be public and whatnot for the trial? Yes. You, you start, start gathering evidence and making yeah. that public record. Um, so... And it was also suggested to me, suggested to me by you know someone who I was trying to understand this with, that you know, maybe what's happening here with the XFL, the Oliver Luck lawsuit being settled, maybe MLW sort of observing this, trying to push things along even quicker, and maybe push WWE to settle, um, to so that WWE will avoid having Vince McMahon deposed where he, he would be questioned under oath uh, and that the the leeway for what a subject can be asked when they're deposed is is greater than it is uh, when they're on trial. So maybe questions related to, to this board of directors investigation could come up maybe. Maybe that's what's happening here. Again, we don't we don't know the details of the of the settlement between Oliver Luck and Vince McMahon. Um and to be clear, that's a that's a lawsuit between Vince slash Alpha Entertainment and Oliver Luck. That doesn't directly have anything to do with WWE, not directly. Um, but the MLW lawsuit is a lawsuit against WWE, which was filed back in January because MLW alleges that WWE interfered with their media deals, including a deal that they were making with Tubi. So, yeah, that's. That's what's happening there. Uh, and what else do we have here? A number of shareholder lawsuits. All the sharks are swimming in the water here. Uh, we've got upwards of seven law firms. We're looking at class action shareholder lawsuits. Um, there's an eighth. Um, 
lots of that going on. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more that even emerge. Um, so, yeah. And anything else to add before we move to the uh, Wall Street Journal had a podcast earlier this week? Um, nothing really regarding uh, Vince and uh, settlements and all that. I, I, I do think that that's what MLW is doing. They're pushing for a, a good settlement because, I mean, they got bigger fish to fry, right? Vince McMahon and them dealing with the scandal. So let's just get this over with and get this done. Uh, and push- go, th- go ahead, finish. Or just say pushing the idea for court is probably the last thing that, that Vince McMahon and them want to do right now when they're dealing with everything else. And it could spread McDivitt thin. It's yeah. his lawyer, Jerry McDivitt. Uh, anyway, um, I should, I should mention, we don't know the details of the settlement between Oliver Luck and Vince. Uh, if, if Oliver Luck settled for a, for a lot less money than he was trying to get in trial, then maybe that that would identify that maybe Oliver Luck also didn't want to go to trial. But we don't know. It could you know could be the case that Vince wanted to avoid trial for some reason to protect himself. Anyway, um, Wall Street Journal had a podcast. Uh, they, it was, it's not like a terribly long episode. It's something like fifteen minutes or so. Uh, we listened to it ahead of our company popularity podcast i'm just gonna play a couple uh clips from it and and discuss so here's one where uh so this is with i should mention this is with ted mann who is one of the authors of the original report uh that came out from the wall street journal on june 15th uh and this is discussing the relationship and the sort of the 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 power that the board has or doesn't have over vince mcmahon is to ultimately hire and fire the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. But if many members of the board are also employees of the CEO of the company, it creates the potential for a conflict of interest because they may not want to go against what the CEO wants because they could they could ultimately lose their jobs. Sure. And not only that, because McMahon owns so many shares of the company, theoretically... If the board wants to fire him as CEO, there's nothing to stop the person who controls the voting... In- firing the board because Vince McMahon controls the company okay so that, that's Ted Mann talking there at the end again saying that if the board wants to fire Vince as CEO there's nothing to stop Vince who has controlling interest in, in the stock which he does uh, from firing the board so again Vince has about two-thirds of the shares but because he has class B shares. He has 80% of the votes. Um, I'm not sure that that's correct. Um, I, I don't think that Vince can fire the board. Vince can elect the board every April, and he does by, by virtue of having 80% of the votes. I don't know what the process is for electing the board, but I don't think that Vince can just fire members of the board of directors at any time he chooses. Perhaps he could do something the following April to install new members of the board, assuming that he still held more than 50% of the votes. Um, So that's one thing. And I also believe that, as we discussed before, based on, if nothing else, Vince's employment agreement, which as far as I can tell is still valid and we're still looking at the most up-to-date version of it, uh, there's a section in it headed termination by the company uh, that says the company may terminate the executive's employment under this agreement and it lists a number of uh, conditions that it can fire 
the executive, Vince McMahon, with or without cause. Um, so I think the board can fire him. Whether they will, not saying that they will, but I do believe that's in, in their power. And maybe Vince could, you know, by the following shareholders, meaning reinstall himself as uh, CEO. Maybe, if, uh, if, if, if other events did not prevent that. But I do believe the board uh, has that power. Um, and I've tried to get in touch with Ted Mann to uh, discuss that, um, but I haven't heard back yet. So then we have this other clip where, uh, where they're, they're discussing one of the risk factors that we see in the annual report every year is that if Vince becomes incapacitated or passes away, that's a big risk factor. That could affect the value of the company. So here is, uh, again, this, this is with the host, Ryan uh, Knudsen and, and Ted Mann talking about that subject. If this does result in... Vince McMahon stepping down or moving aside or losing some control over the company. What would that mean for WWE? If you just look at what the company says to investors, they say Vince McMahon is so central to their programming that it's a it's a threat to your investment in a buying a share of their stock if he were to ever go away. So just taking that alone, the company says they need this guy. He's central to their programming. He's central to what they sell and that it would be a big hit to them. But, you know, that's never been tested. We don't really know if that's true. Chris Cole, is that true? I mean, we've only known a WWE with Vince McMahon. You know? Uh, what? What's the case for that? being true what what is vince provide for wwe that is so valuable um i think stability and experience and you know like for example the head of creative position you know there has never been anybody really in that head of creative position yeah oh we've heard other names before the head writer but vince is the head of creative and he always has been and i i would imagine as an investor or stock change is not always a good thing you have a you have a you know a company that has growing the stock price is 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 healthy uh the tv deals big tv deals are coming and all that could be affected if you take Vince out does the saudi arabia deal go away a lot there's a lot of factors to that um there may be key person agreements that would allow some of W's business partners to revisit if if Vince was no longer a part of the company. That's possible. Um, I think experience is, is the strongest attribute for making an argument that Vince is extremely important to W. Um, it's kind of opaque to me what he, what his involvement really is beyond beyond being the head of creative. I tend to think that Nikon and others have assumed more of his non head of creative duties over the years, and I think that Nikon is very much the one who does and will negotiate WWE's media rights deals. Um, the head of creative, um, has, is there, has there ever been a product or a, a brand or some sort of WWE product that was overseen creatively by someone other than Vince McMahon and was operated mostly independently of Vince McMahon. I would only think of 
developmentals, which would be NXT under Triple H and, may, and maybe like OBW or something like that, but probably NXT would be the biggest example of that. And how did NXT go? Vince ended up uh, replacing him with people that have a similar vision that he does. But how yeah. did it go? How did it go from what was NXT in 2014 and then what was NXT in, let's say, 2018? Oh, it went from, you know, a true developmental that was on Hulu that had little interest to being something that was packing arenas and, you know, on the USA Network and very revered, especially among the Internet wrestling fans. Um, and that was done without Vince. Well, I mean, apparently. Very little oversight from Vince. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think Vince is a, a big detriment to creative replacing him would be a political battle uh and i don't know i have become less confident over over last year or two that someone in vince's place would actually do a better job um but i think one of the biggest the biggest detriment to wb enhancing its popularity and its consumer sales and its consumer engagement is the quality of the of the creative which is entirely vince's responsibility um so, yeah, I, and I think this is very much a, a business partner idea, or at least it is a public perception from, from wrestling fans all, all, all the way through to the most mainstream naive view of this company that without Vince, wow, this company's really going to be in trouble and we've never known a W without Vince McMahon. And I think that's very overrated. Um, so anyway, there's that. There's the board of directors. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um, then we have some news coming on this is Monday night. Yeah, Monday night going into Tuesday morning. Wow, a 3.23 a.m. tweet from John Pollock at Post Wrestling. John Pollock doesn't sleep, apparently. <laughs> and sleep what, is the enemy. <laughs> what, what, what does he say, Gola? Uh Memo regarding John Laurinaitis sent to Post Wrestling from Source. Uh, all uh, John Laurinaitis has been placed on administrative leave pending the conclusion of our board of directors internal investigation. Bruce Pritchard will serve as interim head of 
talent relations. Uh, Bruce will ensure a seamless operational transition with the talent relations team during this period. Thank you, as always. Story first reported at PW Insider. Okay. So, John Laurinaitis, who, by the way, it, we, it's, it's easy to leave his name out here. I think we have up to this point. Uh, John Laurinaitis is also involved in this scandal. Uh, former paralegal who used to work for WWE. Worked under Vince. Had her salary doubled. Uh, sh- sh- she allegedly had a sexual relationship with Vince. Uh, Vince made an agreement with her for $3 million for her to sign an NDA to not talk about or disparage Vince McMahon. Uh, according to documents, according to Wall Street Journal, uh, she was handed like a toy to John Laurinaitis, uh, who she also had a sexual relationship with. So he's being put on administrative leave pending the conclusion of the investigation. Vince McMahon is, for the moment, no longer the CEO and chairman, at least officially, pending the investigation. Uh, Bruce Pritchard, who is not a, not a new addition to this company. He's been uh, executive director. He's very involved in creative, now taking on additional, additional roles here. Um, so that's what's happening. I, I, I think of Bruce Pritchard as a close ally of Vince McMahon. Uh, if Vince McMahon, you know, by, by Monday, is supposedly no longer the CEO, uh, Bruce Pritchard being given additional responsibility doesn't encourage my belief that Vince is really out of power here. Uh, it, it, only the opposite. Um, feel free to interrupt me if you disagree, Golo. No, I, I don't disagree. I'm trying to think. I think one other time, if I'm correctly, Bruce was a, basically a transitional uh, talent relations, but between J.J. Dillon and Jim Ross, I think. If I'm not, if mid, I'm mistaken. Mid 90s? Mid 90s? Yes. Yeah. So he has experience in the role, nonetheless. Uh, there was a fightful report where someone joked, you know, he, Vince McMahon only knows three people. Um, anyway, but then on, uh, this is Tuesday, no, this is Wednesday, another tweet report from John Pollock of Post Wrestling. And what does that say? According to multiple sources, Paul Levesque was in Orlando today and spoke at the Performance Center. Of the people I've heard from, Levesque stated, he's back. It's unknown what that entails, but the, that was the wording I was given. So... Paul Levesque is reassuming some power. Maybe that that would be maybe supportive of a belief that you know Stephanie has more power here. Well, maybe that makes sense. Her her husband is back in a role that he hadn't been in, and and yes, sure, health issues have probably played a role in why he was not in the position that he was in. But it, I believe that he was taken out of power in NXT and uh, around one year ago in the summer of 2021. Uh, because of disappointment with how NXT was performing in terms of ratings, in terms of its ability to attract uh, a better media rights deal than it had in the first place beginning in 2019. Um, but supposedly he's back. Um, I, I did ask one person about this who used to work with Triple H, who said that it's, uh, you know, that they don't believe that this is real, but, but we'll see what happens here. Um, we'll see if NXT 3.0 is is launched soon um so let's see here uh and then this report from pw insider about 
uh, Stephanie McMahon. I, I did hear this too that at least there was an all hands meeting with Nick Khan, the president and chief revenue officer of WWE. Nick Khan and Stephanie uh, hosted this this all hands meeting, um, and I, I was told that the theme of it was that everything is is normal, everything is continuing to move on uh, despite what's happening with Vince. Uh, and why don't you read us this final paragraph here that we have? Uh, yep. Uh, PWInsider.com is also told as of this week, Stephanie has been actively involved in meetings that usually have seen Vince McMahon taking part. Okay, and so if that's true, I mean that would that would be consistent with the notion that that Vince really is stepping away from some of his responsibilities and, and Stephanie in her place. So, could they be compromising? Could they be honestly? basically working together on this you know vince doesn't want to really get full power so it's like hey i'm gonna put bruce in for talent relations and stuff he's like that's okay but i really think paul should go back to nxt that's the vision i want like do you think that might have been a comp- compromise move and and anything is possible in the world wrestling federation <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so there's that uh I, I guess I was thinking. I don't think I've said this on the podcast yet. You know, I was thinking it may be Stephanie. This is one possible explanation for what's happened here, with Stephanie being the CEO and chairwoman. Um, she's not the only person who I could imagine being made interim CEO. Right? I could 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 see just as easily Vince McMahon. I'm sorry, Nick Khan being placed as yeah. the interim CEO. That wouldn't have been surprising either, right? Um, but but Stephanie gets gets the pick here after she had just uh, announced the leave of absence. Whether or not she knew about this investigation or not, I would guess that she does. Uh, but Stephanie gets gets the pick as CEO. And who who decided who the CEO and and chairwoman in the interim would be? Probably Vince would be my expectation. And maybe that just points to. Vince trusting Stephanie the most, maybe trusting Stephanie more than, than Nick. Um, test your might, memes aside. Uh, so that's interesting to see. Um, as I've been uh, talking about a lot, what determines the degree to which there is real accountability and what will determine the degree to which W. Uh, removes Vince or, or, or doesn't uh, if there is real wrongdoing here which you know he, he had a relationship with a subordinate that at least is inappropriate um, what determines whether there's accountability or not will is, is largely in the hands of mainstream media uh, ultimately the responsibility of course is with the board of directors and with Vince and the people who have power in WWE but what will pressure them or not will be the mainstream media, which who will pressure if they report on it and if they're actually able to break news about this, they will ultimately pressure WWE's business partners. And business partners will then pressure WWE and its board to actually do something. Um, That is how, if it happens, Vince will permanently lose power if it happens. Um, But there hasn't really been any new mainstream coverage here in this past week. Am I, am I missing something? No, I haven't heard anything from like the ESPNs and the CNNs or anything like that. Yeah. Um, 
there is that podcast from the Wall Street Journal, which we just played clips of from. Maybe maybe the Wall Street Journal will do more uh, uh, following up on this. Uh, but I do expect a, a story uh, in Vulture, uh, the New York Magazine uh, vertical, with something from uh, Abraham Reisman, who's uh, the the biographer, uh, the writer who is working on a book about Vince McMahon's life, um, which I understand that uh, the timeline of the book is is going to stop well short of the present. So maybe there's some extra information that uh, that doesn't fit in the book uh, that might end up as articles, but we'll see. Um, sort of expect that maybe next week or so. Um, any other thoughts here before we go to Forbidden Door? No, we can uh, we can open that Forbidden Door now. Make sure you want to open it. Are you, are you are you wearing your uh, all of your padded gear? Are you uh, wearing your helmet? Uh, Got my baseball bat ready. Are, are you going to watch Forbidden Door tonight? I I've I've debated on it. There's a couple. I have a couple options that people have, have offered it to me. Uh, but you know I me, mean? I'm I'm getting that old man territory. Unless it's something that really grabs towards me, I, I might just sit and watch the History Channel tonight. <laughs> you know, uh, but. I mean, it's something I will watch within a week if I don't watch it live. There's a couple you, matches that really. How would, how would you me. watch it if you don't watch it live? You know, you're gonna order the pay per view later. Yes. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can. It's on demand. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna pay the fifty dollars. You're gonna be one of those late buys. You can watch it on demand at any time. You know, so you don't have to sit live. Who knows how long it's gonna be. <laughs> so uh, a lot of injuries, obviously, going into this. Um, CM Punk out, Brian Danielson out. I don't think Jungle Boy was, was scheduled for, but Jungle Boy is injured too. Um, many of of, of, of of AEW's most searched for wrestlers. I don't know. If this necessarily means that they're the biggest draws, but this is uh, maybe a good place to start. Uh, the most recognizable names is probably a more apt description of what we're looking at here. We have Google Trends, worldwide Google Trends index for AEW talent on the screen here. Number one, Paige Van Zandt. Uh, maybe known for reasons other than AEW primarily, though. Uh, Paul White. Nobody believes this because Paul White is at the top. How can that be? This has got to be fake. Nonetheless, Paul White is number two. Followed by C- This is a uh, year-to-date, by the way. Followed by CM Punk, Jeff Hardy. Uh, this is not including June, so this would not include any searching that's happening because of the arrest story. Uh, Jeff Hardy, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, Tony Storm, Brian Danielson, MJF, Mark Henry, Jade Cargill, Sting, Dan Housen, Kenny Omega, Dustin Rhodes, Adam Cole, Matt Hardy. I think that's something like 17 names. How many of those names? So this is maybe the most recognizable names who are AEW talent. How many of those names are going to be on this card tonight? Uh, four, I believe. Moxley, Jericho, Tony Storm. Sting. Uh, th- th- then it's five and Adam Cole. And Adam Cole. So, uh, Hiromu not making it. Um, there was a media call this past, I believe, Thursday, um, where Tony Khan took questions from the media. Uh, he had a very long uh, answer to a question about all the injuries. But what I thought was really the most newsworthy part of this, um, I, I had planned to ask various questions that were uh, ultimately asked by others before I, I got on the call uh, about pay-per-view and things like that. Um, but then uh, Sean Radikin from The Torch uh, asked about whether there was a wellness policy. Uh, 
in, in the light of, you know, John Moxley the, uh, got, you know, went to rehab and he seems to be doing much better now. Um, there's a, I, I think a really good story in, in uh, ESPN from Mark Ramondi uh, a couple days ago talking about his whole experience and what, what, what led exactly the story of him, you know, deciding that he had to go to rehab and what it was like there and, uh, you know, how he felt afterward, uh, which I think was a, a, a nice story. Um, so considering that and considering, you know, Jeff Hardy just got arrested for DUI, uh, is there a wellness policy anyway? Here's the clip with uh, Sean Radikin speaking first and then Tony Khan answering. And uh, we'll, we'll pause it as we go. John Moxley recently talked to ESPN about his experience going to rehab for, um, you know, alcohol problems. And um, with your recent statement coming out about Jeff Hardy's suspension after being arrested for a DUI, have you thought about instituting any kind of wellness policy in AEW given some of the recent occurrences? Or is there something in place already that you haven't talked about? I was just wondering if you could... No, we have a wellness we have a wellness policy, but in a case of drinking, I I think it's you have to be really uh, careful because most people I think you know ninety nine percent of the roster is drank really responsibly, and I think most people drink really responsibly. Okay, so there he uh, he, he's basically saying that he he doesn't feel like he can test for for alcohol and things like that, and that most people use alcohol responsibly. Uh, he, he goes on to talk about how he doesn't want to compare the Moxley story to the Jeff Hardy story because yeah, Moxley didn't didn't get into legal trouble or anything like that. Uh, Moxley volunteered for rehab, whereas you know Jeff Hardy was arrested for DUI. Um, so then I then he talks. He's about to go to the next question. Then he then he, he stops uh, the moderator and wants it to say a little bit more. But he, here's a, an excerpt of, of that. You just talking about how Jeff is doing now. Jeff is doing much better, and I'm. I, I think, I, as I understand, Jeff's in treatment. And I don't want to say too much about what's going on because it's his business. And and but, but I'm here for him for whatever he needs. I'm really glad nobody got hurt. But what Jeff did going out and driving is totally different from the other thing. And I just don't like hearing the two of them compared, if that makes sense. And I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't, sit, you know, give Jeff a lot of credit for now doing the right thing. And this is how he said, Jeff's got to do the right thing. And, and, and if he wants to stay with AEW, because it's last chance alone, man. So a- a- anyway, what he said to, in response to Radikin's question earlier, uh, is that there's a wellness policy, which was brand news to me. I had, you know, I don't yeah. think he had ever alluded to that or said that publicly. I had wondered for a long time whether AW had any wellness policy. So, um, so I, I asked him some questions about that, which we'll listen to. Uh, you mentioned a moment ago that AW has a wellness policy. I was wondering if you could tell us uh, anything more about that. If that involves drug testing or any specifics about how talent uh, would, be, would be disciplined or offered help if they violate yeah and and i I, yes i'm glad you asked Uh, i think the most important thing that i will elaborate uh on is that we're here to help anybody that needs it and i think i hope i made it really clear with the 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 tone i took uh just now and also with the stern tone i took uh following jeff's arrest compared to uh how i felt and feel about what how john has stepped up and how he stepped up and got help uh you know we're here for anybody 
that steps up and wants to get help, and hopefully they'll come to us instead of it being under a circumstance where they get themselves in trouble. But the most important thing is that they get the help, and I'm here to stand by anybody that needs help and will get it. So I think the, the big point I would note is that every, it's available to anybody here, that anybody needs time off. If they have an issue, they can take it, no matter how big a star they are. It could be the, the most important person in the company in terms of drawing revenue or somebody who uh, is not on TV as much and doesn't draw as much revenue. It doesn't matter. We're here to get them the same quality of first-class treatment if they need it. And uh, then, you know, as far as everything else, I think, uh, you know, we do have policies in place about, uh, you know, ma- making sure uh, people come in and uh, come show up and, and show up to work uh, in, in a condition to work, and that's the most important thing. And then, uh, yes, uh, there's, there's a testing policy, and in particular, uh, really, uh, I just want to stress that we are here to offer help to anybody that needs it, but that I, like I said, hopefully they would come to us and, and not get in trouble and then come to us. Okay. So there's that. Um, there's not, not really not, there isn't an opportunity to, to ask follow-up questions on the, on the media call. You sort of, they unmute you, you ask your question, and then, then they mute you and he, he responds. Um, so I'd be really interested to know what, what kind of testing policy there is. This is all new information. Uh, there is a testing policy, Tony Khan says. You know, is this random testing? Is this just testing for cause when you observe and suspect that somebody has a problem? Um, not clear to me. Um, yeah. So, it, and he makes it clear that uh, this is Jeff Hardy's last chance. Uh, I don't know if it was clear on the clip itself, but he makes it clear that Jeff had to go to rehab. It sounds like otherwise you know, he would have been terminated. So that's what's happening there. Um I also want to know about discipline, too. Like, is there some sort of three-strike policy like W purportedly has? You know, what is what is the discipline process like? Uh, is there a policy about you have to go to rehab, and if you don't go to rehab, we release you or anything like that? Uh, but, uh, oh, no. Any, any other thoughts on that? Um, no, I mean, that's the thing. Just that we, we don't really know what the policy is. I mean, I would assume it's just situational. I don't think it's just, hey, we test once a month and all that. Um, but, you know, also when it comes to, to DUI. Well, what substances would yeah. they test for? Yeah. When it comes to DUI and DWI backlash, like, I, you hear about the WWE cases when it happens once in a while, but you don't really hear much afterwards if there's a suspension or a fine or, or something like that we, where we've had a couple cases in the past with WWE so not sure if we would get that from AEW if they did talk a little more publicly about the wellness policy. Right so, so Jimmy Uso was arrested for DUI um, looks like in April um, and we don't know of any discipline that happened there. Yeah. So anyway um, um we did get a super chat that was AEW related. It came in literally right when we were transitioning to the Vince McMahon stuff on the ratings, but it's uh, from Tim B here. Was TK's decision to deny a third hour of dynamite for Rampage a mistake? Would a three hour dynamite with, with a third hour dragging down the rating be better? A three hour dynamite with a third hour dragging down the rating be better? Um, I, th- I, d- I don't know. I, I think no. I think 
having a second program is a big deal because it gives you a second property, a second TV show that you could potentially sell to a business partner, to a TV network, um, as opposed to having a longer show. Not only is there this now, I think clearly the stigma with wrestling fans, at least that, you know, three hour raw is one of the things that hinders people's fandom. Um, and that it's too long and things like that. Um, get what maybe Tim is getting at here in terms of I get maybe two things in that the maybe the, the situation with ratings would be better and you know the, the common criticism about Dynamite is that there's so much going on and there's it's all happening too fast and they're packing too much in, in, into, into this show uh, and maybe a third hour would alleviate that um, I don't know I mean but we've already got a, a two hour Dynamite and, and a and a, and a one-hour rampage. I don't, I don't know that it would be that, that much different other than the three hours would be consecutive rather than broken up by two days. Um, would the rating be... I mean, the rating would be lower, definitely, because it's it would be at, at 10 to 11, um, which would, I don't know, ma- make it maybe a tougher sell to to networks and you'd have less to, to highlight and brag about because your rating wouldn't be as strong. Um and again, I, I think the, the lesson of 2018, thanks to Nick Khan, is that there's, there's leverage for a wrestling company or, you know, any sports property. The NFL is, you know, the most developed example, perhaps, right, where they sell to all these different TV partners and they surely get a lot more money because of it. Um, but where in 2018... Raw and SmackDown went from both being on the USA Network, both being owned by NBC Universal, to selling SmackDown off to Fox and Raw staying with NBC Universal. So um, I always think of it as you know you're you you're selling it in bulk for less, or selling it you know sort of piecemeal to multiple buyers. Um, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you can buy the extra large size and it's a little bit less per unit, uh, or you can buy a couple, a couple of smaller boxes, and you pay more. Um, so, I, I think there's a lot of leverage for AEW to get if they can sell a second property. And again, the way it's playing out, and the way I, it, it seems most advantageous to me, I don't know if there's buyers there or not in the streaming world for a rampage program, but that's where it, it apparently makes the most sense to me. Uh, I don't think in the Turner world that there's any place else to put it where it wouldn't be preempted a lot other than stepping way down to a, a lower profile network which is going to really harm the viewership so you might as well go to streaming and rather than going to say True TV put Rampage on True TV or it's not going to be preempted for, for instance where you're not enhancing the reach you're lowering the profile of the network as opposed to going to a streaming platform where you're, you should be enhancing the reach if it's the right streaming platform so that you're in, you get Rampage in these homes that don't have cable access. And now you can have a wider base of fans uh, in theory. And maybe you can get that streaming platform to pay you more than a TV network would because of the total reach uh, is, is less. Rampage would perhaps end up 
even less viewed on a streaming platform, yes. Uh, but maybe it's going to be hitting people that it wouldn't be hitting otherwise, where, where it is now on TNT. And maybe you can get more money because of, this, because of sacrificing uh, the total number of people that it can reach. Yeah, I think as time goes on, it's going to be tougher because it seems like there is a a uh, a push to get maybe sp- more sports media rights now after this Discovery Worm uh, merger. And you're not just talking TNT, but True TV could start having live sports, and th- so even going to True TV would. I, I, I doubt that's going to like. Is, is there like a story? Like, why do you think that? Um, I mean, it, I I think the obviously you know we programming that makes sense. I mean, sports programming isn't cheap, but the, the ratings it delivers, I mean, it looked like they're focused on going to get sports and, you know, reality television, you know. I, I think Warner Brothers Discovery is going to focus on sports and it's going to focus on unscripted series. Yeah, unscripted series, yeah. Don't don't save reality TV. Yeah, uh, sorry. Did you say I did? I didn't mean that. I, I, I actually did, but I was trying to. It wasn't coming to my mind the unscripted That's series, but just because I mean, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of contenders out there for sports, but it could get to a point where they need to put a sports property on True TV. I guess what, what I'm trying to get at is keep in mind. Remember those clips we listened to several several weeks back uh, from the, the Discovery yeah. Warner conference call with uh, the CFO and with the CEO David Zaslav where they're preaching cost discipline and they're talking about looking under the hood at Warner media and finding investments that is programming. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make financial sense in their, in their view. And that's why CNN plus went away. And that may be why discovery is going to be a lot more cautious than maybe other networks would be when it comes to making TV deals. So that, that is the big con case c-o-n case against the notion that aew is going to be able to leverage strong tv rights fees because perhaps their incumbent partner isn't interested in bidding aggressively because they're being very cautious and assessing perhaps that everybody in in this game is overspending and there's not it's not worth that much everybody's overspending for streaming but but maybe streaming is not going to be as profitable as traditional TV. So what are, what are we spending for? We also have to remember too. We're talking about Rampage. I mean, we're under the belief that Tony Khan also is right now trying to shop a Ring of Honor show around too. Whether that's going to be on a streaming service or a Warner Discovery Network, right? Okay. On to more TV rights talks. Yes. Uh, t- t- tell us what, what John O'Ran reported this week about Formula One. Yep. So uh, F1 has agreed to renew its rights with ESPN through 2025. Uh, sources tell the Sports Business Journal. The three-year deal still doesn't have a signed contract, but the racing series told Amazon and Comcast executives on Friday that neither company's bid was going to be accepted. Sources say that ESPN agreed to pay around 75 to $90 million per year for the rights. Currently, ESPN pays in the neighborhood of $5 million per year for the rights, having signed a three-year $15 million deal in 2019. ESPN's deal gives the media rights flexibility to put a small but undetermined number of races exclusively on ESPN Plus streaming service. Uh, most races will be carried on linear television, either ABC or ESPN sources set. Okay. 
So uh, Formula One, I, have, I believe I've done the math here. They were getting around five million before. Now they're getting somewhere between seventy-five and ninety million. That represents a fifteen to eighteen x increase. What did WWE get for their current deal? What what factor of increase was WWE's current deal over its prior deal? Was it one and a half? 3.6x. Nikon comes in there. Yeah, that's right. He, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't get 1.4x, 1.5x. They got 1.7x back in 2014, 2015. More than tripling. So that's what I was talking about earlier. You take SmackDown and sell it to a, to a different buyer and then sell Raw to the incumbent buyer. More than tripled WWE's US TV rights fees. Um, that's why Rampage having a separate TV show I think is really important um, and this uh, 15 to 18 times now Formula One has had a surge in popularity coinciding yeah. with the Netflix series Drive to Survive um, and some of the biggest ratings for Formula One races ever have happened in the last year so their ratings have really strongly improved so this is not just a sort of status quo where we're stable and good. This, is, this property has really increased in value. And what we're seeing in the media rights for that property is a mega increase in value for it. 15 to 18 times. Um, baseline, based on the math, we, we did a while back. Yes, I'm going to say we. You helped me with that, Chris Golo. Uh, 1.5x is what I... That's where that number was stuck in my head. <laughs> yes. So, so that's a baseline You're predicting, yeah. That, that's our baseline expectation. 1.5x for WWE. Um, three to... I think we want as high as four to five for, for AEW. We'll see. Uh, so there's that. Um, some of these races will be on ESPN+. Plus. Some of them will be on streaming. Uh, again, I, I think that makes sense. You, you want... You want to reach, so what I was talking about earlier with maybe Dynamite on traditional, Rampage on streaming in the future, perhaps. Uh, some of these races are going to be on, most of these races are going to be on traditional ESPN. Some of these races will be on ESPN+. Plus. So you're reaching as many people as possible that way. And what has Nick Khan told us on those earnings calls? It's only a matter of time before Apple gets involved. It's only a matter of time before Netflix gets involved. By the way, uh, I believe it is Sports Business Journal reporting that um, Netflix made a bid, but it was too low. Um, now, when it comes to the NFL Sunday ticket, have you ever subscribed to NFL uh, Sunday ticket? Um, yes, back when uh, I had DirecTV with my old roommate back, this is probably like 2012, 2013. But yes, okay. I subscribed to Sunday ticket back then. It's been only on DirecTV up to this point. Right? It's been always, always, always only been on DirecTV? As far as I can remember, maybe it was different than the 90s, but as far as I can remember being a football fan, it was always on DirecTV. So if, if I don't have DirecTV, if I don't have cable or satellite, is there a streaming option through DirecTV? Um, nah. we, don't we don't know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Those, those I mean, it's, still, it's, a, it's an add-on. It was always an add-on, though. It oh, wasn't yeah, like yeah. part of the whole yeah. package, yeah. For sure. 
so anyway, those rights are coming to an end, and they're being shopped around uh, by the NFL. Uh, Alex Sherman from CNBC reports that the NFL wants a winning bid of more than $2 billion. I don't know if that's AAV or if that's over the course of some years. Anyway, Apple, Amazon, and ESPN have all bid, but talks with all three continue. Apple wants global rights, DirecTV not bidding, but open to agreement with the winner. Okay. And the package must be premium priced. That's what Alex Sherman is, is tweeting. Um, I believe Lightshed has said that they believe it's going to go to Apple. Uh, we'll see. And the Apple just got MLS, right? I think you might touch on that the week I was off. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we talked about that at all. But yeah, that, that's. Uh, I, think, I think Vince, all hell was breaking loose with Vince at that time. Oh, but yeah. yes, M- MLS going to Apple. All of it. Yep. Maybe some of these games are still going to be on ESPN. But yeah, other than that, all of it going from ESPN to Apple. Uh, Apple already has Friday Night Baseball. So Apple definitely getting involved here. Um, is Apple going to bid for wrestling? I doubt it. Um, is Amazon going to... We'll see. We've, you know, we're still waiting for... Could happen in any moment, right? Next day. Yeah. That should be news soon. Yes. Um, and what gets sold... Assuming neither of these companies get acquired <laughs> by by you know NBCU Comcast or maybe maybe AEW by Warner Brothers Discovery, which seems less likely now now that uh, those companies have merged. But anyway, um, what gets sold by AEW? Uh, do they just sell the live rights in a certain window? I mean, what I'm getting at here is AEW has never sold, and, and nobody owns Next Day rights, or maybe 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 Warner does in some way and they're just not using it but there's no way to watch Dynamite or Rampage the next day in any way other than recording it with your DVR through your cable system um, or maybe some illegal way you can't watch it on the TNT or TBS apps maybe that's something that I, I believe I've watched them Saturday mornings Rampage on the on the TNT app and stuff yeah Right. But I guess what I'm saying is that that's another way to segment this this stuff. You know, you, you segment not not only what I was saying earlier, rampage to a streaming player, dynamite to a traditional player, and maybe segment the the rights after 24 hours to some Hulu like partner or something like that. Uh, that's what WWE has done, right? And that's just segmenting all these different ways to sell all these different pieces and windows of your content to all these different players. Anyway, that's all I have. Oh uh, yeah, but and then that that is all I have uh, for this week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have this list of I'm I'm looking for I've debated uh, putting this out here. I have uh, I'm looking for somebody who can do graphics for us. Um, if you have a special graphics talent um, and you're interested in helping us, uh, DM me. Um, or if you're good at video editing, the I- ideal person would be good at all these things. Maybe TikTok bring t- podcast timestamps for us doing graphics and perhaps uh, some video editing as well. Um, I don't want to tweet this. I want people who actually listen to the podcast involved, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. Uh, so, Patreon, of course, is always there. Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. You can get my TV ratings reports that come out nearly every weekday. You also get access to the WrestleNomics version spreadsheet. You also get access to uh, occasional audio versions and uh, company popularity updates that we've been doing lately all the things we're doing it monthly we'll see uh, as well as the who's a draw possibly monthly premium edition this is all those those things only for subscribers there is no free version of those uh, there will not be um, 
I, I just did a uh, subscribers now have access to a beta version of the web the um, the YouTube data that I've been putting together where you can look at any moment you want look at what the uh, the YouTube charts look like over the past seven days for, for the W and AW programs as well as uh, a non W and AW version so anyway that's all I have um, we, we got a last minute super chat oh uh, Tim B, uh, thank, once again, thank you, Tim. Uh, second Super Chat today. Uh, are you surprised that AEW has created long-form bios slash reality shows of talent like a WWE 24 series? So I think I may read that they have, because they really haven't, right? Or have, have they? Is that supposed to be hasn't? Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. Thank you, Tim B. Um, what's, who's going to buy it? It's, it's, I think they look at it as... That's a that's a relatively expensive yeah, thing yeah, to invest yeah. in. Okay, that that's a relatively in- expensive thing to produce. It's not not you can't just produce it for free, and it's it to be a great marketing tool, right? You get you tell the story of some talent and you get people invested. Uh, but there has to be a payoff. There has to be some somebody buying that or licensing that. You know, um, I think that's how they view it, especially at this stage. While their TV rights value is good, but not super great and I think you, know, you look at what WWE is doing in terms of the, the what they've licensed to A&E you know where, where did the Lex Luger documentary go where did the Vlad the Superfan documentary go I think they've, they've made a calculation that hey look Peacock is basically paying us for the pay-per-views and they're paying us for the library so why, why are we spending to, to, to do other things they're not going to give us more because we produce these documentaries when maybe we can give them some stuff here and there and maybe they still are without searching I think they are still giving Peacock a little bit of additional content yeah but I mean they get the Austin show and you know Broken Skull and a few things like that so, so why not take these documentaries that that are you know decent investments and license that out to A&E who will you know pay us a good chunk of money for it um and there's there's uh they're gonna do some some sort of unscripted thing i believe for for in place of roads to the top which obviously isn't going forward i, I was I, I was gonna bring that up that it, do they have to still honor that or maybe now with the merger they're like uh we don't need a reality series right now like i believe something has been said that they're going to do something some sort of unscripted series you know and then everybody's identifying what we just talked about with formula one and drive to survive drive to survive this netflix series that a lot of people have gotten into and have developed into real formula one fans because of we're actually watching races now including our friends john and way at post wrestling who've, who've been talking about that lately so anyway. all right yeah uh, just for me you know chris gullo and all the social media handles uh, rti pod instagram and twitter Rediscovering his Facebook, uh, we'll have our final part of our Burt Prentice deep dive out later this week. And then we're going to move on uh, next month uh, to a new topic, uh, thinking about possibly uh, doing a bio piece on Reckless Youth Tom Carter. So, on that independent wrestling history podcast. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess we say near the end here. So, this, this pay per view that's tonight, uh, I, I won't weigh in, but I'll let you weigh in. What do you think this is going to do for pay-per-view buys? What did, what did the last one do? What it was it 135, right? Uh, I'm going to pull it up right now. Uh, 
we won't put it on the screen because I don't have the, it's not like a slide, but uh, it's in the so double or nothing is in the range of 155. 155. Uh, okay. Re- Revolution in the range of 165. Full gear about 145. All out about 205. These are not exact numbers, but these are what I believe is the case based on vague information I've been told because uh, I don't think they want the exact numbers out there. I'm going to say it's definitely taking a drop. I'm going to say about 130. 130. Yeah, I, I I think there's something to be said in a deeper dive of the injuries, but like, is New Japan a real huge marketable product to the common casual fan? The casual yeah. fan. Yeah, like, like, so I think there's some uh, a deep What's dive a that could be done on that. I, I think it's someone watches wrestling here or there when they hear, oh, CM Punk's back. I guess I got to tune into that. Somebody that was a huge fan at one time and life, you know, they got busy and now they'll just chime in for the big moments. So my, my casual fan? No, I, I mean, I, you watch at least one wrestling program weekly, correct? I, wouldn't Do think I, you're... I don't I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I make the labels for the quarter hours. Yeah. Does that count? <laughs> I, I think you're a little more than casual. Anyway, okay, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, we'll talk to everybody next time. Thanks to Post Wrestling, as always, for being our distribution partner. And uh, see you later. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.